0: (音楽) Music
1: Episode thirty-seven of the ASN podcast. Welcome back to the Dan Tracy Hour. How's everyone doing today? We hope that you enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend. I know that Dan did. not He was slinging glizzies all day long <laughs> on Sunday and Monday. I already know. We spoke about it in depth already. Um, I'm just kidding, but seriously. This is like, what, three times in like 10 days, I feel like. This is another quick turnaround episode, but, you know, see, this is what happens when the schedules line up, and not only that, there's a lot more to talk about. We now have the finals for both the NHL and the NBA set and ready to go. Pretty uneventful Game 7, I feel like. Pretty uneventful Game 6, which was a pretty good series. We will, of course, get into that. Not only that, in, in this episode, we will talk about uh, baseball a little bit more in depth than we've done, except for our you know Oakland A's slander that we, usually, uh, that we usually do. But other than that, we are going to be talking about really who's a pretender, and I don't want to say contender yet, I feel like that's a little too premature, but I guess throughout Memorial Day weekend, we'll be talking about that. But of course, as every episode starts off, I have to ask my dear man, Dan Tracy, how he's doing.
2: I'm good. Um, yeah. Long story short, I was working just like you yesterday on Memorial Day.
1: And slinging glizzies. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely at the same time. Um, but uh, we we were due for a little bit of of scheduling luck here, right? You know, after after struggling so much to to get an episode for a while, and we got it this week because it looked like a tough scheduling week at first, and then this 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 moment just lined up perfectly. This Tuesday morning, you're off. So. That worked out great. Happy we can get uh, episode thirty-seven out here. We're getting yes, close to forty now. Maybe we'll get get to forty in June, probably.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, That's at good. this rate, we'll we'll get to That's, forty by like the second week of June. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, next week,
2: we'll be, we'll have the three more knockdown. Yeah. <laughs> no, we got we got a lot to talk about, and really, it's the it's the, the perfect timing for this because we have uh, the NBA finals you set. Took a little longer than we expected after the Heat went up three zero. Uh, but it's pretty much what we expected last time we talked. Uh, and the Stanley Cup finalists said that these both happened last night. Uh, those matchups are locked in now. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, like you mentioned, we're going to hit baseball and not just the A's, although we will mention the A's because they're they're, they're still on pace for a, one of the worst seasons we've ever seen. And that's definitely worth talking about. But, they, you know, they say that Memorial Day weekend is kind of a, a landmark in the MLB season. It's when you start to think about – all right. Well, you know, are these teams real? Or are these teams not? And I think the next real landmark um, in terms of competitiveness, you know, of course, the All Star Game is in July too. But the trade deadline—that's when—that's when these teams that may be pretenders or contenders now have to actually make that decision. Sure yeah, I mean,
1: if you think about it, I mean, we say Memorial Day weekend; it's a good benchmark because the majority of teams are already basically a third of the way through their schedule. So it is a good. It is a good like measuring stick I guess for the first two months of this of the season but we will get into that a little bit later but obviously the two talking points at the beginning number one the NBA finals are set and this is something that we talked about pretty much in depth before it was set because I think the series was what It was three nothing the last time that we came on here, I believe, or two nothing going. They might have
2: been. They might have both been two zero. If I remember. Yeah, because I think I
1: think game three for Miami was that night, Mm -hmm. uh, and then Denver was pretty much a lock by the last time that we talked. So we did talk a little bit about it. Uh, I know Dan has an interesting piece that he wants to talk about uh, in terms of, I guess, what the marketability of this final or, Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, if, first of all, uh, for anybody who's not, uh, well, I, I, I maybe even the casual NBA fans know that the Nuggets and the Heat are playing in the finals, so I'll, I'll spare you that description. Um, but you know, it's a, it's an unusual finals matchup for sure, and unusual is not a bad thing, right? Like, you know, we're getting, I, I love the uh, the 2021 finals when we we got to see. I think it's still my favorite ever when we got to see Giannis in the finals for the first time. Uh, we got to see Chris Paul in the finals for the first time. It was a brand-new coaching matchup, two brand-new teams. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, by the way, pe- some people complained about ratings back then, too, uh, between the Bucks and, and Suns for some reason. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it feels like it's been a little bit since the Nuggets wrapped up their series, so the Nuggets really aren't at, like, the forefront of our NBA discussion now. Maybe they will be in a couple weeks when they, when they hopefully win the finals. Um, but yeah, the, the most interesting thing I saw, there's been a lot of commentary about the Nuggets and how, um, you know, oh, the ratings won't be good. We don't need to get into that because we talked about that last time, about uh, how ridiculous that sounds, especially when these two teams are, are such competitive teams. They give all-out effort, both of them. Uh, you know, it's all about basketball for both teams, the Heat and the Nuggets. But my issue is with uh, is with the tweet that went viral. Um, maybe about five, when, when did we talk? Four or five days ago. It was about four days um, ago. It, it was, I think Chris Maddox, the Sports Illustrated writer was on, I think it was the Rich Eisen show. Um, and he was saying, well, you know, he's, he's, it's like the nuggets just aren't very uh, compelling. That, that was the word he used, compelling, which, you know, another word for marketable, I guess. When you're in, in an industry that's trying to make money off these teams, it's like, you know, that. well, the nuggets just aren't compelling. Um, And he's like, you know, he he proceeds to explain why Nikola Jokic is different than all the other NBA superstars. It's like, well, you know, they had to give him his MVP award in Serbia both times, which wasn't true. They only had to do it one time. Uh, He doesn't like the limelight. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do all these commercials. He doesn't do all these things that you know he didn't he didn't name any names, but that the Steph Curry's of the world do, and you know, John Morant obviously uh, is is. John Moran's polarizing for different reasons. But you know, he doesn't have the controversies. He doesn't have uh the endorsement deals that because he doesn't really want them. He doesn't have the commercials, he's not in America for most of the offseason, all that. And I and I'm I'm reading that, and he's giving that as a reason why the Nuggets just aren't compelling. It's because their superstar is not, I don't know, an infectious personality or something. Um but you know, that sounds to me like he's really compelling. I hear I hear him explain. He's like, Nikola Jokic is different than all of the other superstars in the West. He's not like them. And for that reason, he's not compelling. Like That that completely doesn't make any sense. Let me me
1: ask you a question because it sounds so, I don't want to say hypocritical, but I mean, look at Kawhi Leonard, for instance, when Kawhi Leonard was at the peak of his Yeah, superpowers, I guess you want to say. And, you know, he was winning titles and being a defensive beast and basically taking Toronto almost single handedly to their championship. You know, it's kind of the same thing in a weird way that, like, you know, he doesn't like the limelight either. He's not, I mean, Kawhi is an infectious personality because of how, you know, deadpan he is most of the time. So I feel like people just love, like, seeing that or getting any reaction out of him whatsoever. But, I don't know. There's there's a lot of superstars and a lot of leagues that are pretty reclusive for the most part. I mean, look at Mike Trout, for instance. I feel like Nikola Jokic is, is a really good you know, comparison to Mike Trout, where, where Trout is... I mean, I, I don't know if we would say confidently that Jokic has ever been the best player in the league. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, but Mike Trout, for a long time, what, six, seven years, was considered... The best player in the league and he's still top three I I think a lot of people would say maybe Aaron Judge Shohei Ohtani could be interchangeable at the top three there but he's another one that just kind of is very reclusive doesn't say much you don't really hear much about him in the offseason at all anything like that and I don't feel like anyone really has a problem with that I, I don't get I don't get this this feels like an easy grab at a headline for someone where it's like, oh, you know, the, the nuggets just aren't compelling because Nikola Jokic likes to spend his time in Serbia. <laughs> that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me.
2: I mean, but, but you know, to hear, like, there are a lot of media outlets that have to respond to interest. You know, it's not their job to generate interest, it's to respond to interest. So, uh, you know, that's including what I do. Uh, so I understand why they talk a lot about about the Lakers and about the Celtics and all that, all that kind of things. If you work for Sports Illustrated, which which is who Chris Mannix works for, who made these comments, if you work for Sports Illustrated, you literally control the narrative. Like it's your, you know, you have the power to make Jokic compelling. You know, it, it's kind of your job to come out and make him compelling. There are only a few outlets that actually get the right to do that because they're that popular. Uh, But you have that power. You you know, I hate to say it, but like you control the narrative and you're coming out here and saying like, well, I can't really do my job because he's not that compelling. Uh, It's just, it's, it's sad. And, you know, people, people quote me to that and they were like, only the NBA, only the NBA has this problem. Every other sport, like, you know, the NFL can turn, uh, you know, the Bengals into a team everybody wants to watch. They can turn the Bills into a team that everybody wants to watch. It's not hard. Um, and I mentioned to you last time, it's not like the Nuggets play a boring type of basketball. No. Like if if they played like the Heat, like I get it. Uh, but they they play a lot more like like what I mentioned before, the the pre-Kevin Durant Warriors with the way they shoot up threes and make these like circus shots all the time. They've got one of the most interesting players in terms of on the court ever in Nikola Jokic.
1: Even to your uh, point though, th- they don't play the same brand of basketball that the Heat do, but that there's something I feel like in sports, especially in like, you know, United States, you know, the, the America's American sports and North American sports, whatever it may be. There's something that's romanticized about the scrappy underdog that always, you know, like the heater, a legitimate team where I feel like they could be down at like 30 points at halftime. And I'm still confident that they would make a good game out of it. Yeah. Like that's what they, and, and it, It's funny that you say that because it's like, yeah, they play like this, like, like unbashed, like crazy barbarian style basketball where it's just like, you know, defensively trying to lock down like effort all over the place. like it's a Coach Carter type of basketball where it's like, you know, run and gun. You're running for 60 minutes of basketball game. So that's pretty compelling to me, too. And I think it's going to make for an interesting series when, like you said, you have a team that on their day, they could shoot the lights out. Like they'll shoot the heat out of the building and he'd have some good shooters on their team too. But you know, it's just, you can't really compare. And then you got the maximum effort led by, you know, Jimmy Jordan in, you know, on, on the other side of the ball. So I think I, I really think that this is going to be one of the more interesting series. I think this will be way more interesting than the finals last year.
2: Yeah. The only, the only thing that's missing is that these people need a, you know, they need a narrative. They need it to be like a reality show. When in, in when in truth, like this is reality, and seeing seeing these two scrappy, uh, you know, high effort, well coached, great teams with two with a couple stars on them get to the finals, you know that that's what makes it a reality show. Is, is not really knowing, not being able to predict what comes next. And yeah, I mean, you know, the finals are interesting for that reason. Like, could you see, you know, could you see the Nuggets' talent completely overmatching the Heat? Sure. Like the the rosters. The Nuggets roster is better, but at the same time, like the way the Heat have played, you almost don't see a scenario where they get blown out or anything like that, maybe in a game, but it, it's tough to see them getting like their doors blown off in the, in the series because they just play too hard. You know, they nobody expected them to beat the Celtics really. So, you know, why am I going to underestimate them against the Nuggets is kind of how I view it. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, it'd be really interesting if they took, I mean, I, I'm rooting for Denver, I don't have any problem saying that, uh, but it'd be really interesting if the Heat took one of those games in Denver and made it one-one going back to Miami because then we have a real series.
1: Yeah. It's really I, tough for me to say because I just love, you know, I, I love regular guys in sports, and Jimmy Butler is just one of those guys that seems like just a regular guy. And the you Heat know what I
2: mean. They've got they've got a bunch of them too.
1: Yeah, that's one. But like you know, obviously Jimmy Butler is the headline grabber out of everyone there, and and uh, you know I I can't I can't see myself. I'm gonna I'll say this. I'll be completely fine with whoever wins, as long as it's a good series. That's all I'm looking for. Because on one side you got you know Jokic, Murray, you know Aaron Gordon, those guys who I also like. But then you got Jimmy Butler. You have you know Duncan Robinson. You have Bam Adebayo. All these like regular, like fun-loving type of guys that it just seems like they just want to win. That's it. That's all they're focused on, and you have to admire something like that. So it's it's really tough because both stars really deserve right. Jimmy Butler's never won a ring, right? I'm correct yeah, in yeah. saying that. Yeah, it, it's really it, it, it's really tough because I want I want both. It sounds so arbitrary, but I want both of them to win because I don't want to see one star not get their first ring because they both deserve it so much. And both teams really deserve it, honestly. Maybe, you know, if you look on paper or throughout the season, you would say, yes, maybe the Heat I mean not the Heat, sorry, the Nuggets deserve it a little bit more because they were more dominant during the season. They they looked more like champions than the Heat did, but you know, the Heat of just that like I said, that scrappy romanticized style of basketball that it, it yeah, you know, a lot of American and a lot of a lot of people that watch just love.
2: So you just hope everybody has fun. Everybody uh,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping the score of each game is fun to fun. That's, that's what
2: I am going to say. Yes. Everybody has fun and nobody gets hurt.
1: Exactly. I'm 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 rooting for I'm rooting for no injuries and fun. That's what I'm. On,
2: honestly, though, that's kind of how I felt in 2021 when we had you know Giannis on one side and then uh, you know Chris Paul, Devin Booker on the other side. It was like, well, this is this is kind of hard to root against somebody, and I ended up rooting for the Bucks because uh, I definitely wanted to see Giannis get that first ring. It mattered more to me than. Booker or Chris Paul, but, you know, that was one of those series where it's like, you know, I don't, don't hate anybody at all, which is kind of rare in an NBA finals. It seems like there's always somebody to hate. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this is, this is one of those series too, where you, you you can't really, it's hard to hate anybody. Listen, as a Knicks fan, like I'm not Mm -hmm. really into the heat. If you asked me before the Celtics and heat who I want to win, I probably would have said, why don't both teams just lose? (laughs) Uh, but the heat. Are a little more fun than uh, than the Celtics right now with the you know their storyline and with Jimmy Butler and you know all those undrafted guys and Eric Spolster is a, a great coach the great coaching matchup by the way in these finals like yeah. two two very very good strategic coaches um, but yeah I, I, I would prefer the Heat from a fan standpoint over the Celtics and that's what we got so uh, you know now at this point whatever happens happens. Uh, I, I just like you know like you, I hope it's a good good series. And again, wouldn't be surprised if the Heat were a little overmatched overall mm-hmm. in the series, but it's just hard to see them getting like consistently blown out. They play too hard. They just they it it's almost the same situation as the Knicks, where like the Knicks can kind of hang with any team, even with like a, a shaky offense, because their brand of basketball just throws teams off. Like that's why I think if we ended up playing the Celtics, it would have at least been a competitive series. Just because you know it turns into like a dogfight, and and the whole brand of defensive basketball and you know hard nosed basketball isn't something that every team adjusts to so easily. So it'll be interesting to see if the Nuggets can can just overcome that, or if they're like the Celtics and the Knicks and the Bucks and get a little thrown off by that style.
1: Well, since I I hate doing this, but since the series hasn't started yet, and we're nipping it in the butt before this the series starts, what is your what is your prediction? What do you, you think in here? How many games, who wins, and MVP?
2: Uh, well, I'll do the, I'll do the nuggets, nuggets in six. And as I think Jamal Murray could play the best series of his life, and they probably still give it to Jokic. And it'd probably be fair. So, I, I, you know, I'll say Jokic is the Finals MVP. Um, if you want more of a breakdown, maybe I'll say uh, they split the first two games in Denver. Big surprise that the Heat take one. Maybe it wouldn't be a big surprise. But the Nuggets have been like unbeatable <laughs> at home in these playoffs. So uh but the Heat have definitely not been unbeatable in Miami. Uh so I'll say that uh I'll say they they split the first two and then they split two in Miami, 2 2. Nuggets win game five at home, and then they win another one on the road. They take game six. We avoid a game seven, and the Nuggets take it in six. Okay. It's just that they have fun, right? Okay.
1: Yeah, well, yes, I'm hoping that the score is fun to fun but the the storyteller or the the the, the 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 person that wants to hear a story i guess in every finals in may wants it to be seven because game seven will be in denver and you know i i i just love this is gonna sound so stupid but anytime that a team wins a championship away i feel like they were robbed of like a serious like Serious moment in a weird way. I know that at the end of the day, the fans don't care. They won the championship itself, but like, I feel like there's like, uh, um, you know, when we look back and say, like, if you watch that video of like the last pitch of the last 25 world series or something, like say that, and, and any team that wins at home, there's a certain roar and celebration of the crowd that I feel like some teams that win championships away are just robbed of. And, um, I would I the, the the fan in me wants to see those home fans get their moment. So I would say that I think Denver's gonna win in seven. I think Jokic is gonna be the MVP. And I, I would really love to see that 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 crowd reaction. But at, at the end of the day, I feel like out of all the major sports, I feel like the most subdued crowd reaction for a championship is in the NBA.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's I, usually I, the most subdued player reaction too. You know, like yeah. like when the it, it always bothered me a little bit when the Spurs uh, like when the Spurs won their, their fifth title in 2014, I mean, they were basically shaking hands at the end of it. And that's how it became with the Warriors, too, when they had Durant and it was like a, a foregone conclusion that they were going to win the finals. I mean, they'd celebrate by, like, shaking each other's hands. So that's why it's cool to see some of these unexpected teams celebrate because the, the the teams that surprise definitely go all out with the celebration. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Bucks were, were like – you know, Giannis was like in complete in tears after. I mean, he was a mess – uh the Raptors were, were even with Kawhi the Raptors celebrated and they were they were excited. You know, when the Cavs had that comeback they went crazy. Um even when the Warriors won their first one in twenty fifteen they like threw the ball up in the air and went crazy. But you know, when it starts becoming routine like last year with the yeah. Warriors, there's definitely less of the celebration. But this year I don't think that's gonna be the case. Well yeah, look at as businesslike as the Heat can be, I don't think they're going to be businesslike no. if they actually win a championship. And yeah, the nuggets, like, we we what, know they know how to have fun.
1: What was it, 2014 when when the, the San Francisco Giants won their third in like five years? And like Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner were like, great job. They like shook hands <laughs> at, on the mound. And, and I was just, I always hated that. I mean, maybe it's because like, I don't know. Yeah, well,
2: like we all invest all this time all year, yeah, yeah, about, and, and then not they're not like, like, oh, like, "Good job."
1: I get but, it. Like Madison Bumgardner and Buster Posey are two like rural country guys that you know, like yeah. really like deep woods, you know, and and, and especially Madison Bumgardner, and yeah. he was like. Yeah, you know, just just want to thank the team for another great year. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm
0: like, just watching the interview, like so upset. I'm like, (laughs) be
2: happy. just had a .4 ERA in the postseason, best postseason ever. You know how it is. Uh, But it's that's increasingly rare, I think, in baseball. Though the the great thing about baseball is, like, you know, you could clinch like a wild card spot, and you and players will act like it's the greatest thing that ever happened to them. And I love that because you got a 162 game season. Like, it's worth celebrating those things when they happen. Um, you know, and now, you know, between the Phillies and the Nationals a few years ago, when you you get a wild card spot, it it is worth celebrating because you could do anything with that. Um, But no, it's increasingly rare in baseball. We see guys like celebrate, you know, they they will go crazy after the World Series. I know the Braves did. Um, But you know what? It was funny when you mentioned like teams celebrating on the road and how it's different from home. Baseball went, I think, eight years with uh, – Eight years with a with a road celebration. The Red Sox won it at home in 2013, and it, it's just it's just it's like purely coincidental how that works out. Let's, especially let's when
1: could, let's see if we could walk this back. I think you're right. So
2: yeah, yeah. Or, so the the Giants definitely won in Kansas City. No, in no, no. It has to be
1: 2011 because St. Louis won at home in 2011.
2: Yeah, but the Red Sox won at home in 2013.
1: Yeah, I thought we were saying that. Oh, we're going back before that instead of after it. Oh, you're talking about after? Sorry, I thought you meant before. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so 2014, the Giants won in KC. Yeah. AC won in New York. The Cubs won in Cleveland.
2: Mm-hmm. Which, which was a shame because you know the Cubs of all yeah. teams. I mean, they got, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, they got it's to celebrate like, like, like the uh, you know they got to at least they got to celebrate advancing to the World Series, which they yeah. haven't done since I think night like 1945. At least they got to do that at Wrigley. side.
1: Houston, Houston won in LA. Boston won in LA. What was? Why am I drawing a blank on twenty nineteen? The
2: Nationals won in Houston. They went the to game seven. Won in Houston, and then the bubble was twenty twenty. I Mickey think Mouse technically Wilson's. that might have been a Dodgers home game.
1: The, oh no, wasn't. the, was was the Braves. Then the then the Braves beat the Astros, and then the Astros. Well, the Astros won at home. Yeah. Yep,
2: the Astros finally did it. They broke that that streak. Finally, won a home world. Series. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, then, so, so wait, so let's think about this. I don't know how far back I can go knowing where it happened, but before that... I, I, I could, for some reason. That, I, I know those teams, but I'm not sure if I know where it happened. So the Giants won in Detroit, I think, right?
1: The Giants won in... The, the Giants didn't win. Those three World Series were all on the road.
2: Okay, Because the Cardinals, in 2010, the Cardinals won at home.
1: Because in, in 2010, it was... They were Texas. in Texas. Yeah. 2009, the Yankees won at home. Two thousand eight the Phillies won at home. Two thousand seven was in Colorado. Two thousand six the Cardinals won at home. Two thousand five the White Sox won in Houston. And the Red 2004, Sox. Two thousand four I'm going it's crazy Sunday. right now. I'm on I roll.
2: <laughs> I only know I know the Red Sox won in St. Louis the first time because when they yeah. won in twenty thirteen, I think Joe Buck's call was like for the first time in eighty yeah. something years they won it at Fenway. Whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it hasn't years. happened. Yeah, no.
2: yeah no, See, I think Joe I think it was, was I think it was like for the first time in ninety five years. Yeah, Joe like
1: Joe Buck actually comes out with some bangers every once in a while. He no, he does. The Marlins beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, two thousand two. Anaheim won at Anaheim at the time. Won at home. They beat the Giants. Two thousand one, Arizona beat the Yankees at home. Two thousand, I guess you can count two thousand as a home game because. The Yankees, yeah, every, we every need, of I, I got to be honest with you, before we go into the NHL, that is something that I think we need. Yes. We need another Subway Series World Series.
2: I think we'll get one eventually. I mean, the, you know, the thing is, like, no matter how poorly they're run, there are a limited number of teams that are actually, like, shelling out large amounts of money to compete yeah. every year. We know that in baseball. And eventually, because the Yankees and Mets both do it now with Steve Cohen, they're going to line up one of these years. They're gonna line up and give us a subway series. It won't it probably won't be this year. But that's okay.
1: Uh well, you know, when when the, the Mets get Shohei Otani. Uh it <laughs> yeah. doesn't it just seem inevitable?
2: Well, you know, apparently the Dodgers are like lining up their money for him, so we'll see. That
1: would be, I'm not gonna lie. That would be so boring. Come on, because like the Do- I, I feel like the Dodgers or, like, the modern-day Yankees of, like, the early 2000s and, like, mid-2000s where it was just, like, every large free agent, every large trade candidate, the Dodgers always had players to give up. They always have, like, funds to, to raise. Like it's just, like, ugh. That would be, like, the most wah, wah, wah Yeah, athlete. I mean,
2: they had a quiet offseason, and that's Which when you know, them. like, that's when you know they're plotting something. They're saving that money. You know, they let – like, they let – they have let guys go because they let Manny Machado go after they got a midseason. They let uh, Scherzer go, turned out to be pretty smart. They yeah. let uh, Trey Turner go, you know, even though they didn't, they let Corey Seager go. So they let three, three, uh, you know, three infielders, three all-star infielders go, Manny Machado, Trey Turner, and, uh, and Corey Seager. Um, so, you know, they do have their limits, but it seems like they're plotting something here. Yeah. Um, and you know it's going to be honestly, unless their their plotting turns into a trade deadline deal, it's going to be tough for them this year because they they are losing pitchers are dropping for them. They they lost uh, Dustin May, who I thought was going to have like a real breakout year, um, and he was having a good year. Now it looks like he's he might be out for the year uh, after he had just come back from Tommy John surgery last year. Um, you know they they Noah Syndergaard has been awful. He's been like the one guy they can't fix. So they're kind of they're kind of down to like Julio Urias, Kershaw, who you never know if he's going to be available in October, uh, and then Tony Gonsolin, who only throws like five innings a start. So and a, and a couple of rookies. So
1: Tony Gonsolin, who only throws like five innings a start, and that yeah, was like yeah. sixteen and one last year. Yep, yeah,
2: yep. Yeah. No, but this is like the one year where it's like, well, they better be plotting something because they're not. It doesn't look like they really have. Don't forget
1: about Bobby team. Miller. Now is in the uh, is he, in the hold.
2: He had a, I think he had a great start last night. So you Listen, you know the Dodgers. They, they pull these guys out of nowhere. Like, Tony Gonsolin was like a, a long reliever that nobody cared about. And all of a sudden, he was like, oh, yeah, he, he could start the All-Star game, which was like a conversation last year.
1: Don't they, forget, they do the have, I don't remember who it was, but they could have had Jordan Alvarez, so
2: Yep, no, they, they, traded, uh, they traded Jordan Alvarez for Josh Fields, a reliever.
1: There you go. That's what it was. Yeah, it was that, really that was crazy. a mistake. I would say. I got the Josh right, but for some reason I thought it was Reddick. And then thinking about it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Josh Reddick never played for the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, I think Josh Fields was like a Rule 5 draft pick by the Astros, and they ended up just being a. They used him for a couple of years, like when they were bad, and they yeah. traded him for Gordon Alvarez. Not bad.
1: Which is hilarious. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, I mean,
1: I, I would. Part of me, I mean, even as a Yankee fan, part of me would love. To see Otani. And maybe it's because I live in Queens. Maybe that's why. But like, I mean, the hype for Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer at 58 years old, you know, like, Met fans were like rejoicing. Like, they were so happy. Can you imagine if they get an in-prime dual threat baseball player that could win a Cy Young or win an MVP? Like... My God! Like th- this place would would burst into flames. Queens would just light on fire as soon as that that deal would would be through. But they'd also have to probably give up, like you know, Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, like uh, every single hitter, like Francisco Alvarez, like any every single young player that they have, they'd probably have to give up. You but think there. about this. Now we're gonna get into this. God damn it! I didn't want to get into this, but now we're on the subject. I mean, think about in terms of. It makes sense for the Angels to trade Otani. It it really does because think about the prospect return or player return in general that you can get. And the Angels are a team, the Angels make no sense. If you look at their like top 3 levels, they have great players. They just can't put it together at the MLB level. Like I'm not even talking about the players themselves, just the team. In general, yeah. like, I mean, look, what's his name? Ben Joyce. I, didn't he pitch his debut or he, he's been pitching for a little bit, right? No,
2: no he made his debut last night. I think.
1: And he was throwing like 186 miles per hour. And, and like they have all these players that were like superstars at one point, like in college or in the international level. They just can't put it together. Imagine trading Otani, especially if, they, if they're I mean, they're obviously still everyone's in playoff contention, but they're having an OK season so far. Right? They're what? Are they in third or second?
2: They're, they're three games over 500. They're three games out of a wild card spot. Yeah. So they're in. It. If they were in the National League, they would be in a playoff spot, but they're not. So,
1: I mean, you have to figure the only way that they keep Otani through the trade deadline is if they're in a similar boat or already in a playoff spot. Because if not, it doesn't make sense long term. I don't think Otani's going to resign. I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to resign. Um, they have to trade him. And the Mets are one of those teams that have a ton of young, ready baseball players at the next level. They could have, they trade Otani, they could have five new hitters in their lineup the next day, four or five. And then like a, a you know, a young, yeah, they can get Tyler, uh, you know, Miguel and all these guys. And they, they have a lot of people to give up the Mets. I think it makes a lot of sense. And Steve Cohen is a guy that likes to make a splash. I think, I'm not going to say it's a lock, obviously, but that is something that I'm like, I'm pretty certain will happen this season.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because it's, you look at the standings in the American, in the American League. Like if they were in the NL, I say don't trade him. But you look at the standings in the AL and it's like, okay, six playoff spots. You should be You should be able to get there if you keep winning. But which of these teams are you jumping? Because okay, you're not gonna you're probably not gonna win the division. You've got the Rangers and the Astros ahead of you. So these wildcard teams, like you got the Orioles, who mm-hmm. you know, I understand their their Correctly. name is the Orioles, but they're winning. They look they look very good. Then there's the Yankees and Astros. Are you jumping one of those teams? It's you have to be confident that you can jump one of those teams. And unless you put yourself in a real position to be only a couple of games back by July. It's a conversation you have to have. Now, let me ask you, am I the only one? I usually don't do this for players. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, they're overpaid. And, you know, my response is like, well, that's the market. Like, that's baseball. You know, there's plenty of money to go around. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I understand why the stars get paid a lot. Am I the only one who would be a little hesitant to give Shohei Otani like a $500 million contract? And it's only it's not because of his talent. It's because how long can you sustain this? We don't know how long you can sustain being a pitcher and a hitter at least at this level I mean he you know he dealt with injuries early in his career and luckily you know by some miracle he has not had he basically hasn't had any injury in in the last three years, which is incredible um you know that he doesn't I, I would not say he's somebody that has injury risks but there is a natural risk when you cuz we've never really seen this before you know we've are we confident that for the next 8 years he can pitch and hit and not only pitch and hit but pitch and hit at a high level i almost feel like i would you know i don't say this about any star but i almost feel like i'd pass on giving him a a, a massive contract if it's going to take like a record rec- record setting deal i just yeah. i'm not sure in the long run that the the wins are going to pile up the way that a team expects and the angels already know that
1: and I don't think you're, you're crazy for saying that because, like you said, there's just natural risk because you're literally – because if he hits free agency, someone is going to give him a $500 million right. contract. That's half a billion dollars. And you have to figure that he's going to be the first $50 million plus player, right? There's no one that's making $50 million, right? Yeah. It's close, but it's not. I think it's like what? Scherzer makes like forty six or something, right? Or, yeah,
2: it's it's somewhere in the forty range. In, in the forty so, I don't know the exact number. Maybe so forty three.
1: He's going to be the first fifty million dollar AAV player. It's a huge risk. It really is, and I, I, I definitely feel the same way that you do when it comes to that, because it, it. I mean, even though it's not my money, I mean, I would be terrified to 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 put all that and put all those eggs essentially in one basket because then you're also so like it doesn't matter for Steve Cohen. He's the richest owner in MLB like $500 million is a lot, but at the end of the day, it's not going to financially cripple the Mets if he does this. It's not going to limit what they can do in free agent to, to an extent it will because of the luxury tax. But I think we've seen, it's pretty clear that there's a few teams in the MLB that just don't give a shit about the luxury tax. And it feels like the Mets are definitely one of them. So, I I don't think it would necessarily matter. But at the same time, you're sinking so much into one. And I don't want the Mets to become one of those teams. Otani is an exception because, you know, he's still on the younger side. He's in his prime. He's a super, super, superstar. Some will argue the best player in baseball. I don't want to see the Mets go down this road where they just sign any old veteran to make an impact. See, like, I feel like that's what they really did. Scherzer not so much. I feel like with Verlander maybe a little bit because they threw like $40 million at him at like age 40. I know he's coming off of – he won the Cy Young last year, right?
2: Who? Scherzer or Verlander? No, Verlander. Verlander. Oh, Verlander did, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Verlander won the Cy Young last year. I get it. I get it. I don't know. I just don't want to see them be that team that just throws endless amounts of tens of millions of dollars at these old veterans. But, you know, Otani would be a nice change where, you know, you're, you're getting a bona fide superstar. For probably at least the next eight, ten years.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's just something that like we've never seen before. So we, you know, we we have yet to figure out how sustainable the whole pitching and hitting thing is. Uh, and he's done a great job of proving people wrong. When you know at the beginning of his career, you know, obviously he had he ended up having Tommy John surgery, and then uh, didn't pitch at all in 2019 because of Tommy John surgery. When he did pitch in 2020, he wasn't any good. Um, The hitting wasn't great either. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2021, he puts the whole thing together. And I couldn't tell you one injury he's had since, like not even a minor injury. I'm sure little things have happened, but basically nothing has popped up in in the last two and a half years.
1: Wasn't it it so funny that like when that happened, when he needed surgery and everything, all the boomers that were like, oh, here we go. This is why you could never pitch and hit. You're going to get injured too much. And then he comes back, and he sucks, and then a full season. He's amazing. I love how – and then now they have nothing to say. It's hilarious.
2: And that – by the way, the the uh, the first night – I think the night that they said Otani would need Tommy John surgery, he hit two home runs as a DH. <laughs> uh, if you want to know how talented he is. They're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it, it takes they, – they're basically – they basically decided, like, yeah, he won't pitch next year. So he'll, he'll just – but he'll be able to hit – So uh, we'll just have him hit the rest of the year. This is in 2018. And then we'll do Tommy John. We don't have to do it now. And he, of course, he hit like, you know, a bunch of home runs that September with a torn ligament in his elbow. Uh, Pretty amazing what he could do. But no, it's going to be interesting because the the second he signs a massive contract, everything is going to be about, uh, you know, how long can he sustain this? And if there's any, if, if any issues pop up early in the contract, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, of epic proportions, but you know, if he plays like he is now, can't complain. I mean, he's giving you two different services. He's a great, he's as a dude, great pitcher and a great hitter. So, dude, two sixty three you know.
1: with twelve home runs and five and one with a two ninety four. Yep. I mean,
2: and those numbers were even better. I think he's think he's fallen off a little bit. Yeah, later he's
1: batting batting he's fallen off a little bit. Oh, you, least know, least you know,
2: you know that'll bad. bounce back.
1: As yeah,
0: long as he's, long as he keeps himself. That's, healthy. A, that's what I'm saying
1: that like, people don't understand. If the the MLB really wanted to get technical, every year Shohei Otani would be the MVP because there's no one that could match what he does.
2: Well, there's nobody that can match what he does, but but in terms of value, like if you are only an average hitter in a certain year, even if you are pitching well, you still might not be the MVP, and that's what happened last year. Like he wasn't even average. He was above average in both categories, but like – all the numbers kinda of indicated that Judge was still more valuable. So Yeah, well that know, also
1: I, I still feel like that has to do with the way that your team performs. If you miss the playoffs every single year.
2: You I don't can't know. Be, I mean you can't be in, winning the
1: playoffs. You can't be winning the M V P every but year.
2: In twenty twenty one, all all six finalists for M V P both leagues were all teams that didn't make the postseason. Which is crazy. Which was like Otani, uh Vlad Junior, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and I don't I don't remember the other two. I don't know if maybe maybe Goldschmidt did the Cardinals make it that year. I don't know. Don't care. Um, You know, I I feel like voters have gotten a little bit away from the idea of the postseason mattering. And we saw that in 2021. I think last year, Judge was just better. I I don't think it had anything to do with the Yankees being.
1: No, it definitely didn't.
2: I, I see people comment on like when I post the award watch, which I've done twice this year on the MLB award ladder. People are like, well, why don't we just name it the, the Shohei Ohtani It's Like, do you realize Judge won last year and it wasn't close? <laughs> like, you know, and Ohtani had a ridiculous year. He honestly, he's he had a better year last year than he has been so far this year. But he's leading the MVP race just because the competition is different. But, you know, this by the end of this week, Judge might be in the front uh, of that race. And, you know, it, it won't be uh, it won't be a mistake. It's going to be because he's more valuable. So. Yeah, I mean, if Otani pitched – if he was great on both sides every year, he'd be the MVP every year. But it's very hard to do that. It's just – it's not easy to, uh, to perform at that level uh, both as a pitcher and a hitter every year. And that, that's going to be what the risk is for whichever team, the Mets, Dodgers, Dodgers Padres, whatever, uh, gives him a, a record-setting contract in the, in the winter.
1: You're uh, You're getting more ballsy in the comment section, I've noticed. You uh, I'm because I'm, I'm reading some of them. Well,
2: people that. people need to hear it when they're when they're arguing these things in, in, in May, uh, in the MLB, in the you know when we talk about MLB awards. I do appreciate that people are like into it, you know, so early in the year. That's why I start the award watch early in the year because like it, it's good that people get engaged with it so soon. And I guess in May, you know, you could argue that like ten guys could be the MVP. So so this is the are
1: funniest. Cy Young race throughout Memorial Day I've ever seen. Sonny Gray, Nathan Ebaldi, Shane <laughs> Planahan, Zach Gallen, Justin Steele, Mitch Keller.
2: Mitch Keller, yes, no, but the sad thing is Justin Steele is going to fall out of that because the day after he gave up like ten runs to the Reds. So yeah. uh, you know those things happen and it, it all aligns itself. But Mitch Keller is actually a guy who is he looks like he's just fixed himself. He used to walk like everybody. Uh, and all of a sudden, like, he's turned into this guy who, you know, he's. Er, er, if you look at his, like, analytics, everything is, like, toward the top.
1: I have yeah. to look up something. <laughs> that, that, because I saw Zach Gallen and it reminded me of something.
0: All right. Look um, it up. Let me see. I think I found it. So. Oof. Okay.
1: Yes. This is the. St. Louis Cardinals, all-traded-away team. Oh, yeah. As it stands right now. Uh, The bench is Lane Thomas and uh, Edmundo Sosa. The lineup is Harrison Bader, Adelis Garcia, Randy Rosarena, Patrick Wisdom, Luke Boyd, Carson Kelly, Randall Gritchuk, Almas Diaz, and I can't say the last guy's name, so I'm not going to. Um, Starting rotation is where it gets very sad. Sandy Alcantara, Zach Gallen, Marco Gonzalez, Austin Gomber, Luke Weaver.
2: It gets a little rough toward the end. Here. It gets a little but rough the, the toward first the end two, with Austin Gomber. The first two are, uh, are two Cy Young contenders. Well, obviously a reigning Cy Young winner and now the Cy Young front runner.
1: I mean, it's just, that's what I wanted to do because I, I remember you said Zach Gallen, and I saw that yesterday. I actually saw it in a TikTok, good old TikTok. And it, uh, <laughs> and it it reminded me of just how bad a lot of the things have been going for St. Louis so far this year, and how many and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty but damn it, it's fun to look back and see stuff like that,
2: no but like you can like theoretically you could pull up an all traded team for most teams, but yeah, the Cardinals got back almost nobody for these guys, almost nobody, yeah. you know it, like Sandy and Zach Allen together were traded for. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, who really didn't who he had a nice year uh, you know, when they I think in twenty nineteen they went to the NLCS and got swept with him. Okay, that was like that was the best they got out of him. The one year wasn't so good, one year was good. You traded Sandy and Zach Allen for that. Uh Randy Rosa Reina got traded as a throw-in piece with Jose Martinez to the raise for uh, uh, Matthew, I think Matthew Libertor was the was the prospect. And at the time it was like it was like, wow, Cardinals. You know, they they stole another one. Like they got a top prospect for these two guys, and he turned into nothing so far. Um, you know, uh, Adolis Garcia, I think was designated for assignment. I want to say I don't even think he was traded. I mean, if he was, he was DFA'd and then traded to the Rangers. I want to say he was like claimed off waivers. He they got nothing for Adolis Garcia. Um. And then, yeah, you know, who else? Oh, Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom. I mean, obviously, he's not like a, you know, not a dominant hitter, but he he they could certainly use his uh, power. And they didn't get anything for him. I don't even know if he was if he was waived, the you know, DFA'd, or traded. They didn't get anything for him. So you know, that's the thing. All these guys, like, you didn't get value back for them. And the funny thing is, the one guy, one of the worst players on that list, is the one that they traded for actual value, and that yeah. was Austin Gomber. Who was part of the Arenado deal? Well, he started out good. Yeah, no, I mean, but uh, you know, he was part of the Arenado deal where like everybody criticized the Rockies because I think
1: I think what the Rockies because I mean I think the Rockies have to put a dome on their on their stadium. I don't know if that will help necessarily.
2: No, you know what they need to do? They need to start caring about winning.
1: Well, but
2: (laughs) the thing is,
1: I think that. I honestly think this, Dan, that if you put the top five, well, okay, yeah, I'll go with that. The top five pitchers in baseball, all were on the Colorado Rockies, I still don't think that they would win anything. That playing 81 games at Coors Field is just a death sentence for any pitcher. Now, think about that. If you divide 81 by five, that's so you're making 16 starts if everyone stays healthy. You're making 16 starts. Coors Field a year that is not the recipe to win baseball games yeah it's not and granted not caring about winning also doesn't help either but at the same time it's just I mean when was the last time a Colorado Rockies pitcher was actually good was it Ubaldo Jimenez um,
2: <laughs> probably, Herman Marquez had a couple really nice years, but that's because he's a strikeout guy. So you know, yeah. if you don't make contact, well, then you don't have to worry about this field. Uh, so Herman Marquez had a couple All Star years, I think. Um, yeah, well, that's because they're
1: forced. That's because they're forced to put a representative <laughs> in there. That's why
2: you'd have to go back to Yovaldo Jimenez. Actually, Kyle Freeland had that one really good year. I think it was the year they made the NLDS when they beat the Cubs in the wildcard game in 2018. He had a really good year. Um, but that, that was it. He's been pretty average since then. He's
1: been then. pretty awful since...
2: <laughs> well, for Coors Field, he's been pretty average. I mean, you know, if you put him at any other... But, I mean, like, part, the, the the issues run deeper than that. Like, the other team also plays Coors Field, and honestly, it didn't seem like there were a ton of runs being scored at Coors Field this year until this past weekend, or this past week, when the, mm-hmm. Cubs, uh, the Mets came to town, and they had, like, an 11-10 game, and they were... Everybody was blasting the baseball, and part of it is just getting warmer, and the balls are carrying farther. Yeah, but um, you know, and, and another part of that is that the Rockies' offense in general is just not very good. Um, but you're not as good as it used to be when you know you had Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez and Todd Helton. If you want a little bit of a throwback list of names there, um, but but part the biggest issue there is that ownership literally does not care. You know, like. Like it, it was so funny seeing uh, like okay the Nuggets are going to the finals, this, the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup final last year, uh, and the Rockies owner earlier this year said, "Well, I think we can play 500 ball," which they can't by the way. They're not good enough. Like even that is a far-reaching goal. But for any owner to come out and say like, "Oh, well, maybe we go, maybe we go 81 and 81," like that's embarrassing. And, <laughs> Don't you know, worry, guys.
1: We can go 81 and 81. And
2: you you can tell. He believes Dick Monfort is the owner. By the way, we can. What a great name! Great name. The the he he. I'm pretty sure he only signed Chris Bryant to say that he was making an effort to win. When in reality, it takes more than a big free agent contract every five years to make an effort to win. He's making. They're not. They never. They've never rebuilt this whole time. Even with trading Arenado, they have never said we're going to tear it down and rebuild. They just. They lose guys. You know, they lose guys and they don't replace them. And, and you know, they're not terrible at developing hitters. Some hitters come up and, and play well, like Ryan McMahon. But they sign a bunch of mediocre guys to extensions. Like they gave CJ Crone an extension. They gave Ryan McMahon an extension. They gave Antonio Senzatella an extension uh, for really? probably for probably too much money. And then they think like, oh, look, we're we're investing in our team. We're keeping our own guys without realizing that the guys they have just aren't very good. It's not good enough. It's just terrible ownership. If you tore it down like the A's and rebuilt, I would have more respect for you than what you're doing now and like insisting on going 75 and 87 every year. Like they said, we're not trading. Well, they didn't say it, but they didn't trade Trevor Story at the deadline. And then they just let him go. Like he just left for nothing. After they, after in a non-contending year, they were like, "Eh, we <laughs> we don't see like the value in trading him," and he just left for nothing. So this turned into an anti-rockies rant. Didn't really. I was going to say, usually,
1: I mean, we we gave well, well, they're not out of the woods just yet. But I was going to say we usually save this for Oakland. But I mean, I think since we've been talking so much about the MLB, it only makes sense to just continue to what we were talking about. We were going to go NHL then M- MLB, but. I don't think it makes sense to come back since we're already, you know, in that mode. I think we should talk about our contenders and pretenders. Yeah. I guess if that's what you want to call it. But, I mean, speaking of a team that usually sucks, that hasn't sucked yet this year, we got to shout, shout out the Pittsburgh Pirates for the way that they've been playing ball. 26 and 27, obviously, for, if you're a fan of, uh, you know, the Dodgers or, or – you know the Yankees it doesn't sound inspiring, but the fact that they're not like forty games under five hundred yet is very inspiring. They're playing good ball. They're playing exciting baseball, and mind you, they're playing exciting baseball without their most exciting star too.
2: Now, the only unfortunate thing is that over their last twenty-five games, they're six and nineteen, Shh. <laughs> so they're really riding that hot start to the season. And unfortunately, they've actually fought, they just fell out of the playoff spot. Yeah, uh, so they're they're two games. You never
1: know. Well, they're also lucky that the NL Central so far has been hot ass. Uh, yeah, they're
2: they're actually like what two games out? Two of the, game, out of they're 13, two games out of
1: out of the top spot. <laughs> I mean, but but in a sense, the NL Central. I think this is a re- this is like a disappointment. The NL Central is has never really been the strongest, despite the fact that they actually have some good teams in there. They've never been the strongest division. But just considering how mid and mediocre the entire division has been, I mean, you look at the Pirates, you look at the Reds, you look at the Cubs, where the Cubs made moves to improve, but they're still not a great baseball team. 23 and 30 isn't all that great. The Reds, 24 and 29, considering that their fourth highest paid player is Ken Griffey Jr. that is a fact, by the way, that they're playing better baseball The Pirates, twenty-six and twenty-seven, like you said, six and nineteen. Their last twenty-five games still impressive for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then you got the Brewers, who at three games over five hundred, are two games ahead in the NL Central with that pitching staff and with that lineup. So it's just mediocre baseball up and down the NL Central.
2: But both of both of the central divisions are. are, It's amazing how like not one of those teams can break through in either (laughs) of the central divisions. The Tigers are twenty-five and twenty-seven. They're two games out of first in the AL Central. They're two games behind the Twins at 25 and 27. Um, If we're going to look at the Central, though, one team to keep an eye on, both Centrals, by the way, if we're going to look at both Centrals, one team to keep an eye on is the Cincinnati Reds, uh, who have won three in a row. And they they have a case to be the most exciting team out of all 10 teams in the two Central divisions. Uh, And one of the reasons is somebody who hasn't come up yet. And that's Ellie De La Cruz. Yes. Who's now the number one prospect in baseball. And it's funny, I saw, I think I checked in, like just saw a couple of the top prospects, maybe like in in April. Uh, And I saw that he was hitting like something like 196. And I was like, all right, well, it's going to be a little bit till he comes up. And so then when I heard people talking about like, oh, they got to bring him up, like any week now he's going to come up, I was like, well, he's not really, I I didn't think he was producing. I looked it up. He's hitting like 304 with 12 home runs. And this is with a terrible first few weeks. He and must this is be hitting also like, someone
1: that's not really known for his power either. No,
2: he's got to be hitting like 375 over the over the last month cuz he was really bad the first yeah. week or so and all of a sudden like he's he's one of the best hitters. I know he's in a, I think he's in a hitter friendly uh, uh minor league. Like, I think the well, then he'll area. be in a
1: hitter friendly ballpark in MLB.
2: He sure is. So and and look we're seeing it now because they called up Matt McLean.
1: Yeah.
2: Matt McLean was their first round pick uh I think twenty twenty-one. He was actually a first round pick earlier than that, and he didn't sign with the Diamondbacks. Uh went to UCLA, first round pick in 2021. Uh he comes up, he's hitting like 370 or something. He he had a ridiculous week this past week. He was actually number one on my uh my top players of the week. Had like 15 hits in a week. Um, you know, he comes up and he's like hitting the cover off the ball, Matt McLean. He was having a really good year in the minors. Um, and all of a sudden now you're going to have Ellie De La Cruz come up. And if he's anything like, like they say he is or anything like the way he's produced in the minors, he's going to be a star. Yeah. It's it's actually gotten, you know, they traded for, uh, they, they got Noel V Marte, who was a yeah. top prospect in that, in the Luis, Luis Castillo, Castillo yeah. last year. And people were like, Oh, like you've got so many infielders now. Like, how are you going to deal with that? Like, but you can't worry about the positions. Meanwhile, you know, that, that was my thought at the time. Like, well, you know, you've just got to stockpile talent and see where it works. Yeah, lies. pretty much. And then all of a sudden this year it's like uh, they may need to move Jonathan India off of this position because they've got all these guys coming up and they can't stop them basically. from. Well,
1: the- yeah, well, look at what the Padres – how many infielders the Padres have. And yeah, no, the Tatis- I, I was at the Yankee game on Saturday heckling yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. playing right field.
2: And he's not that bad in the outfield. Yeah, either. No, not. not perfect, but he's not that bad. But yeah, like th- there's already talk. These guys are rising so quickly that they they're probably going to need to move Jonathan India to a new position because they've got they've got Matt McLean up, they've got Ellie De La Cruz coming. Uh, you know, Spencer Steer is another one. Of yeah, those he's guys. been pretty good. They got him for uh, Tyler Mele, who who had Tommy John surgery and just hasn't worked out for the Twins. Uh, and he he's another guy who's hitting like 280. He's got like five or six home runs. The, I'm telling you, the Reds out of those ten teams are the most exciting team out of all the central teams yeah. to watch right now. Even the Pirates—they're they're more exciting than the Pirates. They've got all these guys coming up. Hunter Green just threw six hitless innings.
1: Yeah, Hunter Green uh, is electric, man.
2: You know, the, it's funny. You know, what are they? 24 and 29. Yes, a little better than expected, and yeah. yet you could say the rotation has been very disappointing because Hunter Green—he's actually just starting to like put it together right now. Graham Ashcraft, who had a – why, we talk about great names. Graham Ashcraft is one of the best names in baseball. Uh, He had a a really good start to the year, and he's, like, completely melted down lately, uh, starting pitcher. So, you know, he hasn't been pitching very well. Uh, Nick Lodolo, who was another one of their top prospects, had a nice year last year, was really good to start the year. He's on the IL for a few weeks. So the pitching just hasn't been what they thought it would be, at least in the rotation. And yet they're getting so much production out of these young hitters that – they're actually a pretty fun team. So I I kinda wonder if they if if they I wonder if they can just get that pitching going a little bit, call up De La Cruz, and all of a sudden maybe compete for the NL NL yep. Central. It's not as hard as it sounds when you've got the Brewers on top. No,
1: it's really not. And uh You know, if we're talking about a twenty-four and twenty-nine team as a surprise. In a good way, we have to talk about a twenty-four and twenty-nine team in a bad way, and that's the San Diego Padres. The Padres, a team that I mean, it it feels like. I mean, we sound like broken records. This this was a conversation that we had when they got Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. You know, way back when the podcast started, <laughs> this was a this was a conversation, and we're having the same conversation that we had. I sound like a broken record because before that. I said the same thing in my own podcast, the you know the the archived version when uh, they gave Fernando Tatis that mega extension, and I mean they're just they're just not performing up to expectations. The Yankees pretty much destroyed you, Darvish the the other day, which was nice to see. Um, that you know Darvish has been pitching okay, but really not up to what they're paying him. Essentially, the the. Soto hasn't been what they thought he was going to be up until this point. You know, um, Machado was having a decent, yeah, but is he is he injured like injured on the IL or he just was sitting out a few games?
2: I think he I think he made it to the IL cuz I think they said it was his first time on the IL on the IL yes, in like yes, 9 years. That's right. But uh, I think I don't think it's a big deal, but he wasn't really he wasn't producing before it.
1: It's just before. I mean, it's just a really disappointing lineup up and down. It really is, and uh, they have so many names, too, and it's just, it's it's unfortunate. Every name that you see that comes up are 230, 220, 199. You know, it, it's just, it, it's disappointing. The pitching hasn't been what it should be either, and obviously there's time to turn it around, but you have to figure this three-year stretch for the Padres, where on paper they have one of the most talented rosters up and down in baseball, it has just been a just a, a, a brutal disappointment so far.
2: Yeah, they're by far the most disappointing team, and uh, a huge part of it is they added a lot of depth. You know, Rudnett mm-hmm. Odor, Matt Carpenter, I was worried about the the rotation being thin, and then they added, like, a few guys, you know, uh, Michael Waka, guys like who's that. Who's been solid. Who's been very solid. He's been one of the few guys who's solid. And ironically, Rudnett Odor has been kind of clutch for them, too. Matt Carpenter's been terrible.
0: Good old Boogie.
2: Um, but... No, the most disappointing thing is that that lineup. I mean, if if anything was going to be their downfall, I thought it would be the pitching behind Musgrove and Yu Darvish. Uh, pitching has been a bit of an issue. You know, Musgrove and Darvish have not been terrific. Musgrove was hurt a little bit to start the year, um, but the you know the 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 reality of it is they needed those guys to hit. They 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 paid them to be uh, the best one two three four in baseball in a lineup. And they're just not playing like it. And mm-hmm. honestly, Juan Soto's been the best one of them lately. He's actually been really good lately. Um, he got on base like 15 times last week. Or, and uh, But the issue is it's, it's becoming walks and not hits. And, you yeah. know, we know Juan Soto can walk. But the whole idea of getting Soto was that, well, now he's got protection in the lineup. So they can't walk him all the time. And if they do, uh, then the Padres are going to capitalize on it and, you know, drive a bunch of guys in. Um and they're not because, you know, now, now teams are fine to pitch around Juan Soto because, you know, they're not they're first of all, Machado's not playing right now, but when he was, he wasn't intimidating. Uh Xander Bogarts has really fallen off a bit. Uh he's he had a really good start to the year. Apparently he's dealing with like a day-to-day injury. Mm. Uh, and then Tatis is, well, he's coming together. You know, Tatis is coming together. He hasn't had a bad It was going to take
1: him a little bit of time, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, he you know, those two home runs are on back-to-back days were, were a sign. I think he's already up to like nine home runs and he missed the first three weeks. So he'll be fine. But you need more than that. They don't have enough going on right now. Even some of the guys further down the lineup haven't really been hitting. You haven't really heard anything from Jake Cronenworth. Uh, you know, I mentioned Matt Carpenter, who they wanted to have a nice part-time role, has done nothing. Uh, they, they, they need these guys. They, they need these guys to hit better. I think I saw something like they had the second worst average in the league, or like maybe it was in the NL, something like that. It, they're just – they're not hitting for contact at all. Uh, and they don't have the pitching to make up for it. They never did. So there's a ton of pressure on these hitters. It, 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 they, for that reason – I'm just not sure if you can find a team that's been more disappointing. Even the Cardinals, you know, with a worse record. I think the Padres just have to be considered uh, more disappointing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, maybe another team
2: that's,
1: I wouldn't say equally as disappointing for me so far has probably been the Mets, only because they're just now really starting to come around and playing decent baseball for the most part. 27-27, third place in the NL East. Um, yeah, it's just for, for the amount of, they just don't hit. They just, like you said, in the Rocky series, they just really started to come around. I mean, besides for Pete Alonso, I mean, look at all the young hitters that they have, uh, not only on, on their, you know, MLB roster, but in, in the minor leagues too. And they're just not hitting the baseball well. Pitching has been whatever. I mean, uh, Senga has been whatever so far for the most part. He had, I think, he had a good start. His last start was was pretty good. I think he pitched like six innings or something. Yeah, he's
2: been he's been hit or miss. Some starts yeah. are really good, which it's probably a good sign for a guy who's so new to yeah. you know, new to the majors that like some of that his when he's on, like he's really on. So I yeah, wonder that, if he's that
1: like ghost splitter or whatever yeah. he has is freaking insane. He seems
2: like a guy who could probably like he's going to figure it out and have a really yeah. good stretch. But yeah, I mean, they thought this rotation, you know, Scherzer, Verlander. Senga, uh, Jose Quintana, who had a really good year last year. He's Mm -hmm. out until like at least July. Uh, and then, um, who's the other? Oh, Carlos Carrasco, who, you know, is, is, he's, uh, not delivering. And there's a, you know, they had plenty of depth too between David Peterson and Tyler McGill and, you know, they're not good enough either. Um, but, yeah, they, they're not hitting like they did last year. And some Listen, some guys are. Pete Alonso's got 20 home runs. I don't yeah. care if he's hitting 240. Like, he's got 20 home runs. Brandon Nimmo's been really good. But Lindor, you know, somebody who's not hitting like he did last year. And, uh, you know, Jeff McNeil, not quite like he did last year. Um, the the Mets as a team, they kind of had to rely on on a few of those, like, miracle comebacks. Like, there have been a yeah. few games there where it's like, even like, especially when they played the Rays, uh like maybe I don't know if it was a week or two ago where it's like, wow, they, they really needed that one. Good thing. They came back from that four or five run deficit to win it. But you know, that's not totally sustainable, especially when you're, when you do what you do against the Rockies. and over not 162
1: won. games. It's not.
2: No. So that's why they're 27 to 27. If they were in the American league, they'd be in much more shape.
1: Um, the Rangers are a team that are pleasantly surprising so far. And I mean, I guess you could say surprising, but at the same time, with the amount of money that they've spent over the past two seasons, you kind of have to say it's about time. But what was it? Last year, down the stretch, they were they were pretty good down, if I'm not mistaken, right?
2: Like know, they, they, oh, they were so irrelevant last year. I couldn't tell you. They, I'm pretty
1: sure that like towards the last like 50 games of the year last year, they really started to put it together, but they were so far off. That that it was, you know, it was kinda null and void at that point. But um, you know, thirty-four and, and nineteen, really, really solid start to the year. Um the heading has been great. Simeon has been MVP candidate so far. Seeger before is he still on the I L or no?
2: He he came back and he's hit like three home runs in five games or something yeah, like that. He's
1: I mean, Seeger has been great. He's really started last year was kind of a struggle for him after signing that huge deal I think he's really settled in nicely yeah I think
2: I, I think I heard something saying that like he said he's a lot more comfortable this year and obviously yeah. I think the whole deal with Simeon last year was he didn't hit a single home run until Memorial Day weekend yeah and this year you know he's he's playing like you know, he's playing like he did in that in that last year with the blue Jays
0: mm-hmm.
2: so you know now that they've got those two guys going um and the most interesting thing is uh DeGrom, you know has barely pitched because he he's doing his thing where he throws four perfect innings, then he gets pulled. Um so the the fact that they're doing this without the you know, John Gray has been great. Nathan Avaldi has been the Young contender. They they they've it, it looks like something they can sustain.
1: No, it, it definitely does. You're right. And um it's nice to see because, you know, Globe Globe Life is still a relatively new ballpark too, so like it's nice to see. I, I always I always love seeing like except for the fact they have those terrible City Connect uniforms. Other than that, I mean, everything, you know, beautiful uniforms, a really nice new stadium. They started to spend some money. It's nice to see, like, a new – because, I mean, the Astros have dominated the AL West for how long? It's nice to see a new team kind of, like, challenge them for the most part. I mean, Seattle is another team. They're a little bit disappointing so far, but they were like this last year, too. Seattle was like this last year, too, until after the All-Star break, so – I'm okay with holding off on them being a disappointment.
2: And they've actually, they've actually started to to look much better. It's yeah. just, you know, last night was a complete failure against the Yankees, but Julio Rodriguez has started to really hit after yeah. people were like, what is up with him for the first six weeks. And over the last maybe two weeks, he's been dominant. So, uh, yeah, so even last really- night, he was the only source of offense for them. So, but you yeah, know, the Rangers, uh, they're finally giving the Astros some serious competition there. And I, I you know, if I had to, if I had to call it, I'd say the Astros still win the division. But honestly, if you know the way the playoffs are set up now, if you get the top wild card spot, mm-hmm. you still get to host one of those wild card series, and you know then you go on and and this year I guess it would be playing the Rays, you know, in the ALDS. Like you'll take it, you'll take the four spot. So if the Rangers can keep winning, uh, you know they're, they're going to be one of the most serious contenders in the AL. But aren't they proof that like? You know the Rangers aren't a big market necessarily, uh, but aren't they proof that if you invest in your team, eventually you're going to start winning? Like you know when yeah. when we talk about like the Rockies and the A's and the, the Marlins and the teams like that, they that don't really put in a ton of effort. Like well the Ra- you know the Rangers. It didn't all happen overnight, but they went they went in one off season and signed Seager, Simeon, and John Gray. It didn't really work. Uh, you know, some of them played well, but the the whole team didn't really work. And what did they do? Did they give up? No, they they went out and they got Degrom, which you know whether that works out or not, we'll see. But they yeah. they got Nathan Evaldi, which turned out to be a perfect signing. Yes, um, you know, and they've and they've developed guys too, with Garcia and uh, Nathan Lowe, who's in that lineup, is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Somebody's been hitting well for them. Oh, um, Ezekiel Duran, who they got for Joey Gallo, has actually had a really nice year. Jonah Himes had a good year. Uh, they went out and they got pieces to surround their young guys and it's working. You know, sometimes you got to, you got to invest in a little bit of a multi-year plan and just add some guys until it works. And uh, you know, good. That's why like you could look at them and say like, Oh, well they bought some of their team. Well It's like, good, good for them because they didn't have to, like they could have said, well, we're just going to build from the ground up. You know, we're on a, we're in a smaller market. No, they invested in their team. They got a new stadium. And they put a respectable product on the field, oh, here's the guy I was forgetting josh young
0: young yeah, and josh, Stug, yeah, j u
2: n g he has had he's a rookie of the year can he's had a really good year, a huge reason why they're playing so well
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to see that they're finally you know for the most part firing on all pillars. Jonah Heim, really really underrated catcher switch hitting catcher, good hitter, really good defensively um you know it's it's uh it's nice that it's finally sort of kind of coming together for them so <clears throat> like i said it's just it's just nice and refreshing to see a, a a new challenger in the al west for the most part
0: yeah
1: um well a, another new challenger i should say seattle has been you know last couple seasons has been really good but uh you know the rangers haven't been good since what early 2010s so it's nice to see you know them starting to make a little bit of a turnaround there but uh yeah I I don't think for the most part I have any more contenders or pretenders for the most part outside of maybe the Orioles of course who are, who are playing really good ball too. Um but how about you? Yeah,
2: yeah, the Marlins are in a playoff spot right now. They've won three in a row. They're 28-26. and 26. They still can't hit, but they can pitch. Mm-hmm. Actually, Jorge Soler can hit. He he had five home runs in a 5-5 five, five consecutive games of the home run last week. But uh but they can pitch and if you told me they'd be two games over five hundred with with Sandy really not pitching that well, uh, I would have been very surprised. So they they I wonder if the if the Marlins you know if Sandy starts coming playing well and Jazz Chisholm comes back because he's out for another maybe month, uh, I wonder if if the Marlins can kind of sustain this, but. Uh, they're fun to watch. Yuri Perez, who's uh that that 20-year-old pitcher, 20-year-old pitching prospect they called up, mm-hmm. uh is coming off a pretty nice start. He still walks a bunch of guys, but for a 20-year-old, he's looked really solid. So they we talk about like exciting young talent with the Reds, you know, Yuri Perez uh of the Marlins is you know, if they contend, he's going to be a big part of it. So he's going to be fun to watch. And they play the, uh, it's funny, they play the Padres coming up. So that, that's a matchup of a little bit of a surprise team in Miami and then a one of the most disappointing teams in baseball.
1: Yeah. Excellent. All right, so now that we got that, I mean, that was probably the most we've talked about baseball in quite some time. Uh, but I think to wrap up the episode, we do want to talk about the NHL. Now that we have the Stanley Cup final all sorted out, we have the Florida Panthers versus the Golden Knights, and I'm not going to lie to you. Up until last night, maybe it's because the Florida Panthers finished the series so fast. I thought that that was Game Seven between the the, <laughs> the Stars and the, and the Golden Knights. And I looked, and it's Game Six. And I said, "Wow," because I said it. it was like, "Wow, what a tremendous series!" You know, it went to Game Seven, and then I looked, and I'm like, oh, "Game Six, Six Nothing." I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" But. It's so unfortunate. I mean, not unfortunate because anything is possible. But on a night where we had a game seven to go to the NBA Finals and a game six between the Stars and the Golden Knights, both games were just really, for the most part, un- not competitive.
2: Yeah, the Celtics had uh, had Luke Cornett in the game uh, in the final few minutes. That tells you all you need to know. They 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 gave up on it early. But uh, no, the the. The Panthers and Golden Knights is uh, not the matchup we expected, although you might remember when we did our bracket, I had Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. You I did. actually had a winning. I got to
1: give you kudos there. You, you had so, it. You well, one
2: team I did not have is the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I, I don't no think, one had that. How long did we spend combined, the two of us, on the Bruins and Panthers matchup in the first round, trying to predict that?
1: We did, didn't we say it was going to be tough, though? We did say that.
2: Well, we did, you know, we did, okay, we did talk about how the President's Trophy winners have had a lot of trouble. Uh, and the Panthers were hot coming in. But I don't think either of us seriously, I mean, the whole point of our like discussion when we talked about it was like, hmm, President's Trophy winning teams have had a tough time. With that being said, Bruins are too good and we're going to send them to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that was kind of how the discussion ended up for anybody who didn't, anybody who didn't listen to that episode. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out. My, my, uh, Eastern Conference Final of the Bruins and Rangers definitely did not work out. <sighs> but w- enough about that. The Florida Panthers are here. They're very fun.
1: <laughs> are here. Um,
2: the, and uh, Matthew Kachuk, by the way, has is playing like, you know, I, it almost reminds me, even though it's a completely different position, of of Jonathan Quick and the way he became the face of the Kings in one playoff run and put them on his back. Although Sergei Bobrovsky, He's kind of doing his own Jonathan Quick thing and and playing out of his mind. Yeah. And by the way, he uh, he played that entire four overtime game. Didn't allow a goal in overtime. Obviously, they won. And then he comes back and plays well. And uh, two nights later, plays the whole game. He played the whole series. You know, they're not they're not filling in. They're not putting an Alex Line to fill in for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, but to be fair, teams don't really play their backup goalies and in unless uh, <laughs> they're. Unless the starters do really, really bad, they don't start their backup goalie.
2: Yeah, but but so many teams these days rotate goalies, and even the Panthers didn't open the open the playoffs with Pekarovsky. You know, the, the the Hurricanes did not put. I was it Frederick Anderson in yeah. in the overtime game. I think they put Raza out there in the, in game two, uh, which I don't blame them for. And you know, obviously the the Golden Knights had a period for a while. I think before uh, Purcell got injured, where they were they were flipping between Aiden Hill and. Or so, and all that, and you know. But Bobrovsky has been so dominant, so good um, that it, it feels like you know b- between him and Aiden Hill, who, who's kind of the breakout goalie for the Golden Knights, didn't open the playoffs as a starter. Uh, it's going to be a really good goaltending matchup coming up, and the question is, will experience beat um, you know beat beat Aiden Hill? Aiden Hill's the inexperienced one. Bobrovsky has been here; he's not been to the Stanley Cup final, but he's been around he the NHL worries. forever. Yeah. With Columbus, he's been in the playoffs. Uh, you know, his experience gonna be the difference in the goaltending matchup. But Aiden Hill was playing really well for Vegas. Obviously, uh last night they shut it they shut him out. Um the Golden Knights are a team where they don't really have they don't they don't have a hundred point player, they don't I don't even think they have an eighty point player. They they're just they've got a bunch of guys uh who can who can play really well. It's a, it's you know we talked about Brett Howden scoring the overtime goal. Any, <laughs> everybody and anybody is scoring for the Golden Knights in these key moments. You know, sometimes it's March or so. sometimes it's Chandler Stevenson, they, uh sometimes Jack Eichel, who's playing in his first Stanley Cup final. They've got contributions from everybody. But uh, I still think the most I still think the defining player is Matthew Kachuk, who had a 109 point season. He has been unstoppable. Uh, in the playoffs he had the game-winning goal for the Panthers in three out of the four games against the against Carolina uh he's put the team on his back him and Bobrovsky so um I, I think I'm a little more excited to watch the Panthers and the Golden Knights maybe it's just the way that they play uh but I, I think I'm gonna pick Vegas if I don't know if you wanted to to wait to make a prediction but I think I am gonna go with, stick with my original pick no uh, I think Vegas we should wins. do it now
1: because we already did for the NHL too so it might as well uh
2: well, I'll do Vegas in seven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have that game. I'm gonna have that series going seven. I think it's actually gonna be a pretty good one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like a similar. I mean, maybe in terms of, I mean, yes, in terms of seeding, the Miami Heat and Florida Panthers kind of match up, but like their play style and their never say die. I hate saying that. Never say die. Never quit attitude kind of matches up pretty well. So I can't sit here and say that the Knights are going to destroy the um Panthers because in the similar way that we said that you know the the, the Heat beat the Bucks, the Panthers beat the Bruins, and if you really want to get down to it, really that has to be one of the most upset worthy series of all time because the Bruins were statistically the best team in NHL history. Most wins. You know, it was most points too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were sensational. I mean, Pasternak, you know, Marshan—they have so many good players. They had two. They had two goalies that probably could have made their own case for the Vesna at the same time too. I mean, they—they they were just spectacular from top to bottom. And they went in, and they were down. Were they down three-one? The Panthers. Yeah. Or yep. They one. were.
2: Yep. They they yep. won those. They won those last three games, and two of them were in Bratini Garden.
1: I mean, it's just like, it's an amazing story. And it would be probably one of the most, as much as I say that, you know, the the matchup is mid and everything like that, it's got to be one of the most, the greatest, one of the greatest stories in NHL history. If they do complete the job and they beat the Golden Knights after beating the best team in NHL history, making the playoffs on the final day for the most part, like it's great. And I, I still say the matchup itself is mid, but for the casual fan. I'm still I'm sitting here saying it's mid. I'm still going to watch every single game. That's just the way that yeah. it, that that it's going to work because I love hockey. I love playoff hockey. It's honestly the only sport that I could sit and watch and really just appreciate the noise of the crowd, the intensity of the game in the playoffs. Like obviously when the Knicks are in the playoffs it's amazing. Well, I don't remember when the I don't remember how it felt when the Jets were in the playoffs. But you know, when the Jets are in there, it's well, awesome. they, bar-
2: they barely got to play at home anyway. Did they even get to play at home? And no, t- they
1: didn't. I, no. I I think no, I don't think they did. I think even that wild card game against the Bengals was yeah, no, that
2: yeah, because the Bengals won their division. So. Oh
1: my god, that <laughs> when was the last time that, I'm not we're not going to get it. No, yeah, well.
2: no, we don't, don't we don't need to be this year this year.
1: <laughs> but uh Aaron Rodgers was getting down at the Taylor Swift concert. You know what? You know what? Fuck fuck the NHL for a second. I gotta <laughs> say that that <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has really been loving his life since move since getting to New York. I mean, he's at every sporting event, he's at every concert, like he's like the doesn't, thing doesn't that he go away. happier.
2: Doesn't he just seem happier now? I he think does. that means something. Like I think that's gonna make a difference. I don't think he was real happy in Green Bay.
1: I don't think so either. I think you're right.
2: I gotta I gotta pull up. Well, we're gonna get back to the NHL. Well,
1: All right. So, if you want my prediction, real quick, I'm going to say that I think I, I think it's going to be six games. I think the Golden Knights win in six.
2: Okay, I, th- these are going to be two fun crowds too. Like the 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 Vegas Vegas has built up a nice little fan base. Yeah. Uh, in the six years, and the Panthers fans have been a lot of fun. There's really? always one team during a playoff run and during the Stanley Cup playoffs where like the fan base. Becomes part of the story, and you know when yeah. the predators when the predators made their run, you know it was like a like a, a party at Bridgestone Arena every night. And when the even when the I remember the Winnipeg Jets made it to the conference final the year that uh, that the Golden Knights ended up going from the West, and uh, and they did like a whiteout every night, and there would be like a million fans outside the arena. Panthers fans look like they're starting to really get into it, so mm. I, that's that's been a fun part. Obviously, they got their tradition where they throw the rats onto the ice which I'm sure is going to be introduced to a lot of the uh casual fans who watch who only watch the Stanley Cup final. Um I am going to flip switch gears because you reminded me of it. The 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 people non-jets fans want this Aaron Rodgers thing to fail so bad. Yeah. I saw an article this week. This is the headline. Do the New York Jets already have buyers remorse with Aaron Rodgers? And I looked through the article and the only thing they have is um, well, it's based on somebody who does a podcast who wonders if the Jets have buyer's remorse with Aaron Rodgers because of a guessing. minor because of a minor calf injury. And because he's gained too much power in the in the franchise organization, which all these what what, what is that even based out? Of?
1: I thought you were going to say too much weight, and I was going to say, uh, hey, 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 he's he been actually looking enjoying it, his time.
2: He actually looks kind of he looks like he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, he does, uh, but no, like what people want this thing to fail so bad that they're just like making up headlines. And I saw people in the replies to that tweet, and they're like, oh, ha, ha, who could have predicted this? And it's like this isn't based in anything. Like they, these are people just having. Wishful thinking that the Jets have buyers and more. It's well, like Packers well, fans are yeah. don't understand what's going on here.
1: Dan, you know as well as I do. You write articles. You're not a clickbaity guy, so I applaud you for that. But, you. but, in an off season, see, like me, all I talk about on my own, um, my own entity is football. There's nothing for me to talk about right now. Any time that I can maybe get a click, because maybe I made the title a little bit too clickbaity here and there. You know, that's what we're looking for. So I, I get where they're coming from, where anything, you know, be like, oh, my God, that would be great. Like, I can get a couple cheap clicks out of that. I don't like it, but I respect it. But, like, that's just ridiculous basing it off of something like that. But, um, yeah, he looks like he's just enjoying his life, living. And that's good. It's good. You don't want a quarterback, especially someone who's as outspoken and as unique as Aaron Rodgers is. You know, you you don't want him to just be absolutely miserable and be like, oh well, he's mo- he he joined the Jets and I haven't seen him out and about since he joined. I mean, he's just like you said at every sporting event, at the Taylor Swift concert, he was getting down at the Taylor Swift <laughs> concert. Too. I mean, it was it was pretty funny to see. Like, I thought that was awesome, but um,
2: he, he's he's having fun, and, Yeah, that's and like, you fun. I, I truly that's what believe. You want. I truly believe that matters. I think that's important. I think it's a good sign because he didn't he didn't look like this his final years in green bay who knows you know listen afc is very tough but yeah but matthew stafford was also very happy after he left detroit he's just you know he loved it was a situation where he loved detroit but he was just happy to be free and of course living in la is a little better than living in detroit uh and it, you know it mattered his happiness made a difference so hopefully aaron Rodgers plays a little more freely he's got a lot of talent around him i don't know how we turn the Stanley Cup final into Aaron Rodgers. But
1: I don't, yeah, I'm trying to, I was actually trying to figure that too. I'm like, how did that come about? I don't, I don't even remember you, how that happened.
2: It, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. I just remembered it was talking about, uh, you know, seeing the fans get into it. And you're talking about like, oh yeah, you know, I like seeing, he's like, and you said, well, I can't remember the Jets fans. Oh
1: yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Into yeah.
2: It in the playoffs. They're having play <laughs> and then you business. said
1: this year and then it, yep. and, yeah, it just sparked.
2: Well, we solved that weird. mystery.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad that we solved that, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm excited, but I'm nervous at the same time. We're not going to get into it. We, we this was not on the itinerary for today. This is just one of those that that's how you know that when me or da, me and Dan are back at full swing, when we just start going down random tangents, and you know, an episode that had that we scheduled to have three topics winds up with like 48, and then you know, we, we have to comb through. To see what will get the most clicks. See, we're a little clickbaity when it comes to our headlines, (laughs) but that's okay because we we explain it in full detail. Like, I guarantee the last the last topic of discussion on our post is going to be Aaron Rodgers looks very happy in New York or something like that. You know, just just to just to get the extra click out of there. But but uh, this has been a a great episode. We had a lot. I had a lot of fun with this one. I think. I, I mean. You know, we talked a lot of MLB, and that's cool because we're right in the middle of MLB. We broke down everything for the most part with the finals. Um Hopefully, by the time when did it when the, the NBA finals and the NHL finals when did they start?
2: Uh, NBA finals are Thursday, and the Stanley Cup final is Saturday.
1: Okay, excellent. We might have. I mean, the way that we usually record, we'll probably have one game of the NBA finals in the books, and then we'll probably have. uh you know we'll probably be previewing for game one of the Stanley Cup Finals around there, but uh I really look forward to it this is uh this has been really nice dan i'm I'm happy that you could join me today on this on this Tuesday morning.
2: Thank you for having me on, sir. <laughs>